I invite you to open with me to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 3 through 11. Like Josh said just two weeks ago when we began this series, the book of Philippians is it's a letter. It's a letter that was written to a church. And we, we are familiar with that because we are a church. And so as we understand life in being part of a church, then we can understand a little bit better uh, the book of Philippians as we study through it. And one of the things that Paul does quite often when he writes a letter, uh, we know that he's attributed to writing 13 letters in the New Testament. One of the things that he normally does is he writes about how thankful he is to the people he's writing to. And uh, just a couple weekends ago, Garth and I, you all know Garth, we had an opportunity to go down to Atlanta, Georgia to see a, a baseball game. And uh, he's a big Braves fan and I'm a big Mets fan and so they were, they were playing each other that weekend and so a friend of mine has season tickets for the Atlanta Braves. And he told me, he says, I'm gonna be out of town that weekend, I'd be happy to let you use my tickets. And he said, you know what? If you need a place to stay, I'll just give you the code to my house. It's got one of those electronic locks and, and you can stay at my place. I said, I'd be happy to let you do that. And so I was very thankful that he was generous to me and, and to Garth and allowed us to use his tickets to go to the game and, and to stay at his house so we didn't have to pay for lodging. And so we went and, and it was a short weekend. We drove down on Friday, went to the game Friday night and then left early Saturday morning. And so it was a really short trip. But when I got back, one of the first things I did was I sat down and I pulled out a little notebook and, and I wrote a thank you note to my friend and his wife. And I told them in the note how thankful I was that they were very generous with letting me use their tickets and, and very kind with opening up their home to let us stay so we didn't have to get a hotel room. And in that note, he gets an idea of how thankful I am for him and, and the view that I have of him. I think very highly of him. And now you all probably do too. Maybe you're wanting to go and use his tickets next weekend. But we, we, we get this understanding that as, as we write to people and as we express our thankfulness for those people, we get an idea of what we think about those people or how we view those people. And so what I want us to be thinking tonight as we, as we look through this passage, I want all of us to be thinking, what do I view or what is my view of the church? What do I think about the church? What do I think about First Baptist Church Fairdale? Or what do I think about the church even, even in the bigger understanding of church? All of God's redeemed people. Because what we're gonna see tonight is, is what Paul thinks of the church. And so I want us to be thinking along with as we look at what Paul thinks of the church, examining our own hearts to see what do we believe about the church? Do we have the church up here in our view? Do we think highly of the church? Or is our view of church maybe a little bit low? Maybe we don't see the church as, as highly and as, as beautiful as perhaps we should. So look with me tonight. Look, we're gonna start in verse three and we'll read down through verse 11. Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, 
always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. God, I ask your help this evening as we look at this passage, as we get an understanding of Paul's view of the church, would you help us to examine our own hearts to see where we line up, to see what we believe of the church? And God, would you open our eyes to see the beauty of what the church really is? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So there's two main aspects to this opening uh, portion of Paul's letter. And that's what I titled my sermon is Thanksgiving and Prayer. So there's two distinct sections in this paragraph. First, Paul begins by explaining how thankful he is for the church at Philippi. And then towards the end, he, he shares the ways in which he is praying for the church at Philippi. And both of these aspects of this passage help us to understand how Paul feels about the church or what Paul's view of the church is. Now, I want us to begin just by looking at some of the language Paul uses to talk about the church. In verse three, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. So first, Paul is is telling these people, every time I'm reminded of you, I'm thanking God. Even when I just think of you and, and, and the relationship we have and the work that you're doing, it makes me thank God. Maybe we have relationships like that with people. That when we think of them, they just randomly pop in our mind. We are so thankful to know those people, to have a relationship with those people. I have a good friend that I met through the military that we now live hundreds of miles apart and we don't talk a whole lot, but when we do, it's a really sweet time to catch up to talk, to see what's been going on with our lives. And, and I thank God for that friendship. I thank God for that person. Maybe we have relationships like this that help us understand how Paul feels. He says, just thinking of you makes me thank God. In verse four, he says, in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Not only is he thinking of the Philippian believers, and thanking God for them, he says, when I think of you and when I thank God for you, it makes my prayer with joy. It brings joy to my heart to thank God for you people. In verse five, he said, because of your partnership in the gospel. Now he's talking about the fact that they are partners. They're working together for a common goal. In verse seven, 
He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. How often do we use that terminology with people? Hey, brother, good to see you. I just want you to know that I hold you in my heart. That's, that's a very strong word of endearment, isn't it? Paul is using that to talk about the church at Philippi. He says in verse eight, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Just reading the, the words and the phrases that Paul uses to talk about the church at Philippi, we already have a really good understanding of how he feels about them, don't we? Now, I also want you to notice that he's referring to the whole church. Never once in this opening passage where he's talking about how thankful and how grateful and, and how they're dear to his heart, does he ever say, well, I feel this way about some of you all, and then and there's a few other feelings that I won't mention about the rest of you. Paul is talking about the whole church. And one of the reasons that I used Ephesians 1 as our call to worship is because this is common in the letters that Paul writes. In Ephesians 1, he said very similar things to the church at Ephesus. He talked about how thankful he was for them, how much they mean to him. And then he also shared about what he is praying for them. And if you look to the book of Colossians, we could have easily used that for our call to worship because he says things very similar. And even in churches like those in Corinth, if you've read 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, you know that they're dealing with a lot of issues in the church. That is by all means not a perfect, we've got it all figured out church. You read that letter and you know, man, there's a lot of messed up things that are, that are happening in Corinth. But you know how Paul starts 1 Corinthians? He starts by talking about how thankful he is for the church. He's talking about the whole church. And we get an idea that when we look at the church as a whole, we don't just pick and choose certain individuals that mean a lot to us, but it's, it's the whole thing. We're all included. When someone says, man, I'm really thankful for the church at First Baptist Fairdale, they're talking about every single one of us who's committed to Jesus, who's committed to the church. Now, they may not think that when they say that, but certainly all of us who have joined this church, who have committed to this church, we're all included. And if Paul were to have visited First Baptist Fairdale and left and wrote us a letter, I think he would write something very similar. And he would tell us how thankful he is for our church. And he wouldn't just mention, and this person, and this person, and this person, I'm really thankful for them, and then the rest of y'all, yeah, glad you're coming. Paul is, is thankful for the church as a whole because here's what Paul knows about the church. Paul knows that the church is the institution through which God is saving the world. Paul knows that God did not promise to restore everything, all of creation through the United States government. Thankful for that. Paul says, or Paul knows that, that God has not promised to restore 
uh, all, of, all of what's wrong with the world through sports or through a certain leader. He's doing it through the church. The church is the place where God has chosen to overthrow the devil, to overthrow evil. Josh just said as he was praying, we, we know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church is the means by which God is restoring all things and which it's through the church that God is saving sinners. That his redemptive plan, that people would know him and find salvation in him is happening through the church. And we see through the opening of this letter that Paul has an incredibly high view of the church. Now, we looked at some of the ways in which he addresses the church, but I want us to see two reasons why he is so thankful for the church. The first is in verse five. And I'll read verse four just for context. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul is saying, one of the reasons I'm so thankful for you as a church is because we're partners in this. We are partners in the gospel. If you are a true and genuine church, then as Josh said in week one in the introduction, our goal is to make disciples for the glory of God. And Paul knows that his life mission ever since encountering Jesus is to make disciples for the glory of God. And so if any church is doing that, Paul can happily say, we are partners in the gospel. We are working together to make disciples for the glory of God. This is what the church is. This is what the church does. And Paul is saying, one of the reasons I'm so thankful for you is because we're partners We're in this together. It's not me by myself and I'm bringing you along for the ride. It's we are there together. We're bearing the weight of this responsibility and we're trusting God to help us and to empower us and to allow us to have success. And so if we are a true church, then guess what? We also are partners with the Apostle Paul. We are carrying out the same mission that the Apostle Paul was thousands of years ago. And that mission is to make disciples for the glory of God, for the glory of Jesus. Paul says, man, I'm thankful for churches that partner with me in the gospel. That we don't get sidetracked, we don't get distracted on the little things about how we're gonna celebrate certain, certain holidays or how we're gonna decorate the church. But our focus is on making disciples for the glory of God. Paul says, I'm thankful for churches like that. And we need to be reminded that that needs to be our focus. There's a lot of churches out there that are distracted by a lot of different things. My brother is is an interim pastor at a church in Florida And at the most recent members meeting, they just had a a conversation about uh, why are you not doing the the altar call the way it it used to be done? 
And he's thinking, I don't know how it used to be done. I just got here. You all just hired me to be your interim. And that's a small, small example. But it's easy for us to get caught up on things like that, isn't it? Something changes in the church. Maybe we're not used to that. Maybe we're a little uncomfortable. Is this right or is this not right? It's easy for us to shift our focus off of making disciples for the glory of Jesus to why don't we do things the way we used to? Why don't we make things the way they used to be? Paul says, no, I'm I'm thankful for the church at Philippi because our focus and our dedication is on being partners in the gospel. But second, comes in verse seven, he says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Now here he gets a little more personal with the church. And he says, another reason I'm thankful for you as a church is because we are all partakers of grace together. And he says in two ways, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul says, you are, you are with me even in my imprisonment, in the hard times, you did not abandon me, you did not leave me, you were there. We all received grace from God in that difficult circumstance, but he says also in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, in defending what it is that the Bible teaches about how we're saved and in confirming that that is the truth, Paul says all of us are partakers of grace through the good and through the bad. He says, you all have been with me through thick and thin. If you look at the end of the, of the, the book, in, in chapter four, he talks about receiving a gift from uh, the church at Philippi. And so perhaps he, he feels grateful also for the fact that they did not abandon him when he was in prison. Maybe that's what he's talking about here, is that when he was in prison and the Philippian jailer was converted, the Philippian church did not forget about him. They were there by his side. They supported him, they loved him, they encouraged him. And he said, all of us were partakers of grace through all of that. Some very real reasons that Paul is thankful for the church. Paul has a very high view of the church because he understands that God is gonna use the church to redeem the world. Not, Not anything else, not a president, not a military power. God is gonna use the church. He even reminds the church in verse six, which we, we've used for Philippians 1, 6 testimony so many times. In the midst of, of telling the church how thankful he is for them, he reminds them of, of the truth. He says, and, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Even in the midst of thanking the church for their partnership, for partaking of grace with him, he says, and don't forget, that all this is worth it because he who started a good work in you, he's gonna bring it to completion. He's not gonna forget about you. He's not gonna neglect you. He will bring it to completion. So we see a bit of of Paul's thankfulness and his view of the church. He thinks very, very highly of the church. And now, as we're gonna look at verses nine through 11, I want us to look at this, this example prayer that Paul is, is giving to the Philippian people. And he's basically telling them, look, this is how I am praying for you specifically. 
And again, what we're gonna see in this prayer is that even in the way he prays for the church, we're getting even more of a glimpse of how high he views the church. Look with me in verse nine. He says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Paul says that he's praying that our love would abound more and more. Why is love such a big deal? Love is a big deal because when we do things without love, they tend to not come across very well, right? Paul says to the Corinthians, in talking about love, 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if I have prophetic powers, and if I have all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. Paul talks about the fact that we can have all kinds of knowledge, we can have all kinds of faith, but if we have that without love, it doesn't really get us anything. It doesn't really get us anywhere. Now, he's, he names two things specifically that he wants our love to grow in. He says, I'm praying that your love would abound more and more with two things, knowledge and all discernment. Why is it important for us to have love mixed with knowledge? Now, I'm gonna use an example, and this is not true across the board, but oftentimes in churches, and especially a church like ours that's close to a seminary, you've got a lot of people who come to seminary, and and I was one, and I knew very little. I knew that God was calling me to ministry. I knew that God had uh, was wanting me to prepare for for something. I didn't know specifically what that was, but I I knew that taking a step and coming to Bible college was, was a first step. And one of the things that happens when you know very little and you step into a classroom all day, five days a week, is you begin to learn a lot really fast. You begin to grow in knowledge. And what that does is that starts to make you feel like maybe you're a little smarter than a lot of other people. And when it comes to church life, you start going to church with people who have not been sitting in the classroom. And so you instantly start to think, man, I know so much more than these people. And then what happens is you get into the church and you're like, man, well, what we're doing here, this is wrong. You know what? The Bible says this. And, and so what we're doing is clearly wrong, clearly needs to change. And so maybe we've all experienced people like that. But uh, if you've ever heard of the Babylon Bee, it's this satire article or satire website. And, and one of the things that they posted recently, I think Josh shared it with, with some of us, was... Uh, a new seminarian comes in and, and finds 13 ministries that we need to start or change, and then after two weeks, they're gone. You never see them again. And it's funny because, well, sadly, that we've experienced that. And what happens if we have a lot of knowledge without love, then guess what? We come across as prideful, don't we? Maybe we've met these people outside of church. Maybe we've met these people in our workplaces or in our neighborhoods where they know everything about everything. And no matter what you know and no matter what you say, they're gonna discredit it. They're gonna say, no, actually, this, this, and this. See, knowledge is important. And knowledge is good. 
And we all should want knowledge. And when it comes to God, when it comes to church, when it comes to the Bible, I hope that all of us desire to know more about God, to grow in our knowledge of who God is and what he is like. But Paul is saying, we need our knowledge to be tempered with love. We need our knowledge to be filled with love so that we know how to lovingly share the truth with people. We know how to lovingly tell people that they're wrong. Or we know how to lovingly encourage people and build them up. Paul says, I'm praying for you that your love would abound more and more in knowledge. But then he also says, in all discernment. Really interesting that he says discernment. Now verse 10 is gonna give us an understanding of why he says discernment, but that's such a good word, discernment. And discernment, really, it means knowing the difference between what is good and what is bad, what is right, what is wrong, what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Oftentimes, that takes discernment. It's a lot of situations that come up in life where it, it doesn't seem like one thing is, is obviously right or obviously wrong. It takes discernment to know what is best and what is not best. Now, church is filled with situations like these, isn't it? Where maybe there's not necessarily a clear right and a clear wrong in a certain situation where we, make, where we need to make a decision, but it takes discernment to know what's best and what's not best. And Paul is saying, look, when it comes to church and when it comes to discernment, we need to be filled with love in that. In knowing when to call someone out for what they're doing, when to expose their sin and to have that conversation with them, or when it's, it doesn't need to be called out just yet, or it doesn't need to be confronted just yet. Paul is saying we need love to do all of the things that we need to do as a church. Surely, if you've been to a lot of churches, you've been to some where love is not very evident. They're black and white, they're yes and no, and if you're not agreeing with them, then you're not welcome. I've been to places like that. Paul is saying that's not what the church is. The church is a place where where we, we love one another, but we do so in such a way that we're, we're still growing in knowledge. We still wanna grow in, in our knowledge of God. We don't want it to puff us up. He's saying we, we need discernment to know what's right and what's wrong. And now verse 10, he's gonna explain discernment a little, a little more. He says, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Here is what Paul is saying. He says the church should be growing more and more pure as we grow closer to the coming of Jesus Christ. He says the church is to be growing more like Jesus every day. And to do that, we need to continue to increase in knowledge. If we wanna grow more to be like Christ, guess what? We need more knowledge of what he is like We need more knowledge to expose our sin so we can turn from it and turn to God. We need more discernment to know what is right and what is wrong so that we can be doing the things that are excellent. Paul says, the church is so important. 
says, I'm praying that you be filled with love in all knowledge and discernment. Because here's what I want to happen. He says, I want you to approve what is excellent and to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Then he also says in verse 11, he says, I want you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul is wanting the church to be holy, to not be okay with sin, to each and every day be striving to be more like God, to be more like Jesus. Paul says, this is what I'm praying for you. He says, I want you all to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I told you at the beginning that there was a question I wanted you to be thinking about. How do I view the church? What do I think of the church? Paul clearly thinks very highly of the church. Paul thinks the church is so incredibly important that he's pouring his life out to build up the church. What do you think about the church? What does our prayer life say about what we want the church to be like? What if over the last month we all had a a transcript of all the prayers we prayed specifically for the church? what would that transcript look like? Would we see through what we have prayed that we think the church is important, that we want the church to be more like God and less like the world? Or would that transcript be absent of prayers for the church? I want us to understand that Church is far more important than just us showing up on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. The church is the means through which God is saving the world. God is drawing sinners to himself. Do you believe that God is using this church in Fairdale, Kentucky to reach Fairdale, Kentucky? Do you believe that Fairdale, Kentucky is not going to repent of their sins and believe in Jesus without the church here present? Paul says the church is so important. It's a big deal. We need to be praying for the church that we would be growing more and more in love, that we'd be growing in knowledge in discernment to know what is excellent so that our church would be pure and blameless on the day when Jesus Christ returns for his bride. And he says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus. And this last phrase that he says here is just what Josh was saying at the the beginning of the series. 
the goal of our church, the goal of every church should be to make disciples for the glory of God. And what does Paul say here at the very end? He says, I want us, and I want this church to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So what do you think about the church? Do you have a high view of the church? Do you think the church is important? Do you believe that it's through the church that God is saving sinners and drawing people to himself? Or do you think that church is just a country club for Sundays and Wednesdays? Paul says it's important. Paul says it's essential. And I hope that we feel that way too. God, we thank you for the book of Philippians. We thank you for Paul's heart concerning the church. And God, we pray that you would help us to see the church as important, as essential. God, would you help us to understand the importance of the church, that it's through the church that you are redeeming people and drawing sinners to yourself. God, would you help us to pray for the church, that we would be filled with love in all knowledge and discernment so that we can approve what's excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.